McGregor welcome you to a place where all kinds of phenomena flourish. Voices whisper, ancient secrets, signs and symbols are abundant. UFOs, ETs, ghosts, and even the dead move about freely. Here we meet authors, researchers, and investigators of the mysterious, the strange, and of the inexplicable anomalies that surround us. Step out of the everyday world and take a journey into the mystical underground. Welcome to the Mystical Underground. Thank you for joining us. This is Rob McGregor. And Trish McGregor. And our tech magician producer, John Posey. You can go to themysticalunderground.com where we make regular posts. And you can find out about our books there as well. Our most recent nonfiction book is Phenomena, Harnessing Your Psychic Abilities. Trish's latest novel is Skin Shifters. And Rob's latest novel is Tulpas, which is now available, available in audio as well as in print and digital. Okay, our, our guest today is Dr. Davina Kotolsky. I hope I pronounced that right, Davina. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> she's a licensed clinical psychologist, life coach, spiritual counselor, award-winning author and speaker, and nationally known LGBT rights leader. She received her PhD in psychology, psychology in 1996 and worked for 13 years in a federal women's prison. Her novel, Behind Barbed Eyes, based on her prison work, won the 2016 Nautilus Gold Award for Fiction. Now, I, I have a lot of questions about you working as, in a federal prison because I worked in a state prison. So, um, oh, wow. Yeah. Dr. Kotolsky received the Saints Alive Award from the Metropolitan Community Church in San Francisco for her leadership in the marriage equality movement and for her seminal book, Why You Should Give a Damn About Gay Marriage. In 2018, she played a psychologist on Please Understand Me of a Sarah Silverman production where comedians hash out the problems of their fake relationship with a real therapist. That sounds great. Her newest book is It's Never Too Late to Be Yourself, Follow Your Inner, inner Compass and Take Back Your Life, won the 2018 Nautilus Silver Award for Self-Help, and was a finalist for Self-Help in the 2019 International Book Awards. That's not her new book, though. No, no, that was one of her books. Yeah. <laughs> the new book is The Mana Paradigm Shift, Creating the Consciousness of Abundance and Freedom. So let's start there. Um, tell, tell us about this book. What, what are the three fundamentals of the mana paradigm? Well, first, uh, Trish and Rob, I just want to say thank you for having me on the show today. I really do appreciate the invitation. And it, and it sounds like the two of you are, you know, also prolific writers and uh, deeply interested in, in communicating and, uh, and helping to, to raise people's consciousness. And, um, and that is what the mana paradigm shift is about, too. It's, it's, it combines cutting-edge psychology and ancient spiritual wisdom to nourish and sustain us in these truly uncertain and challenging times. And um, basically, the, the book teaches you how to tame your negative mental habits and create an empowered mindset to deal with the challenges we're facing and to create a, a, a life that is full of freedom and uh, comes from that place of uh, prosperity and abundance, not just in the financial sense, but in the sense of wellness and, and personal fulfillment. Um and the, the book is to help people understand that throughout time, uh, you know, we, we don't always have control over what happens around us. But we, what we do have control over is our ability to, uh, one, stay in the moment, two, stay in a place of gratitude, and then three, look, look for the good and the opportunities that come our way 
and um, and stay empowered as we as we move through, you know, again these uncertain and challenging times, and to stay resilient, and that we can do that by uh, receiving, connecting with the higher mind, connecting with the universe, and <clears throat> not being not being um, seduced into what's going on around us, but but kind of cutting through it like a warm knife through butter, so, so yeah. to speak. So we've all probably heard that uh, that phrase "mana from heaven." Uh, what is your definition of mana, and uh, and what is what is it that people can achieve uh, from the mana paradigm? Yeah, so so definitely it is from the idea of mana from heaven when the um, the Hebrews were wandering in the desert after they had chosen freedom. They had chosen to follow Moses out into the desert and to leave Pharaoh behind and leave their their enslavement behind. But once they got out there, they um, they freaked out, right? Because <laughs> they, had, they had all their needs met, so to speak, in while they were enslaved. While they were working for someone else, they didn't have freedom. Uh, their food was provided them. They had the, the flesh pots uh, to, to warm them. And now they were out in the desert, which was a, a place of uncertainty, and they cried out, and, and you know, God brought forth manna from heaven, which is uh, sustenance. And they had what they needed that day, but it expired um, by the evening, so that they couldn't <laughs> use, you know, yesterday's <laughs> manna. And I think it's it is the perfect metaphor. It's the perfect wisdom teaching for what we're going through right now, mm-hmm. which is we can't apply yesterday's all of yesterday's knowledge to what's happening today. We need to stay right here and right now. And my definition of mana is is spiritual nourishment, it's opportunity, it's staying awake and aware and conscious, and it's not projecting yourself into the future and worrying about the what-ifs of the future. It's not lamenting the past. It's being present now and awake and aware to um, where is the the divine, you know, the higher mind, my higher consciousness, um, where is that guiding me today? And how can I be open and available and aware today to make the right decisions? I mean, obviously, we do need to think about, um, you know, what we do and how we impact the earth and our lives. Um, but we can't use yesterday's tools in the same way. We can't keep living yesterday's life and expecting it to be the same today because the world is constantly changing. And when we try to stay stuck and we try to apply other things, you know, that also enslaves us. Or when we give our power away to man, a mankind, um, and and separate ourselves from the divine, uh, we also we become enslaved in that way as well. Well, what have you seen? I mean, since this pandemic now is stretching into the second year, what what have you noticed among people? You know, is um, that, it is it, is it yeah, easier or more difficult for them to stay present? Um, I think that that we are. I think what we are having to stay present. We are having mm-hmm. to keep coming back, coming back to the present. Um, I think that it's harder and harder to distract and escape uh, life. And I think, like for the United States, we've been a country that's also not wanted to deal with with our mortality, mm-hmm. or and we've we've sanitized death and we've um, distracted ourselves. And I think that what's happening is that people are growing that internal muscle of being present. You can't distract. You can't run away as quickly as we did before. We can't just, I mean, we still have Netflix. We can still entertain ourselves. Yeah. But I think people are having to be more and more present. And they're they're seeing and they're learning that um, 
you know, that they have to tune into a different channel. They have to keep working on their own consciousness to be able to mm-hmm. be present. They're having to move through the anxiety and the depression and, and more and more people are meditating now than ever before because they, they have to just to get through, you know, <laughs> um, they can't use the old ways to distract themselves. So this is really the shift. I mean, this is the shift of the paradigm, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. And mm-hmm. I think also we're seeing that, you know, we we put a, a, so much of our faith into our financial system. And it's like you can't, you, I mean, people are seeing uh, how does how does life shift? How does time shift when they're not caught up in the same rat race? Now, mm-hmm. the, the thing is, is that we can go further into the rat race with this. Or we can step back and go, hey, wait a second, this, is, this system is really broken in all kinds of ways. What do we want to create? What do we want to do differently? Mm-hmm. I think your story, uh, the story about mana, in that it's not it's not something you can uh, keep for a day or two days or a week or whatever, but you use it that day and then you have to, again, go out right. and uh, look for the the new re, the new resources for the next day and that's uh i think people generally fear that the sense of fear that that's why they cling to their jobs that they don't like because they know there's that paycheck or that health that's familiar too. right can you tell us your story uh that you wrote in the introduction about uh how you walked away from a, a security of a, a federal government job and um, virtually leaped off the, the cliff with uh, no guarantee that you would land safely. You pulled a Carlos Castaneda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I had been working for the federal government um, for almost 13 years as a clinical psychologist. And while there were you know, a lot of wonderful things about the job and what I was able to do and help people, I came to the point where I just realized I had the golden handcuffs on me and I absolutely realized that if I stayed at that job another 12 and a half years, which is what I needed to do to get the pension and retire and all of that, which still would have been retiring in my fifties, which, you know, mm-hmm. not everybody has that option and two thirds of my salary would be paid. I have health care for the rest of my life. All of these, you know, things that, that, that we are taught to treasure, right? That's a lot of security coming mm-hmm. from the government providing me all of this security. And what I realized was that if I stayed 12 and a half more years, uh, I, it would crush my soul. I would die. They were, it was the golden mm-hmm. handcuffs and that I was becoming incarcerated in a certain way, <laughs> you know, um, different, but, but definitely in a way uh, that that my clients were experiencing very much, um, you know, the routine and and the lack of freedom in my life, and I was just doing my my term, my prison term on the installment plan, as they as they say. Oh, I was able to leave at night, but you know, working in that system is still very very oppressive um, as well, and it's very hard on the, the the soul, and that's why I mean, I also believe we should find other other options to incarceration and, and yeah. restorative justice and things, but. I, I gave my notice because I just knew I needed to get out of there. I needed to start over. And I realized I needed to begin. I, I just had a very strong spiritual epiphany that I needed to put the divine first in my life. And I needed to listen to, you know, to spirit and let spirit guide me. And I could know I couldn't, I couldn't do that and work there. Mm-hmm. And so I gave notice and uh, to start my own private practice and literally the next day, 
they announced that we were going into a, a global recession. Jeez. And um, it, it was it was shocking. It was like yeah. September thirteenth, two thousand eight, or whatever. Yeah. Um, and and when I gave my notice, even before that day, my boss told me that I was I was stupid. He literally said, <laughs> "You are stupid." And what are you doing? You can retire in twelve and a half years. You have all these benefits. And I realized, you know, I mean, he wasn't really trying to. Tell me, tell me that I was stupid. He was saying, you know, I'm caring about you, and and it feels like you're you're throwing away all these opportunities. And it was the right thing for him, but it wasn't the right thing for mm-hmm. my life. Mm-hmm. It was it was killing me, and I needed to do something different. And I just I literally leapt without a net, um, and I let you know let the divine fill in the blanks. Um, well, you, you I, I only lasted three years working for a state prison system, so I can say I think you did really well. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and it was such a, it was such a, um, I mean, it was hard. And at the same time, because I've been a very security minded person. And I mean, the good news is that my student loans were paid off. And, um, but what I found was that the universe found a way to stretch money and, mm-hmm. and things showed up for me. Um, and while it wasn't easy, I just, if I kept listening and kept following the breadcrumbs, so to speak, my needs were met one day at a time. Huh. And I, I was able to, you know, um, I was able to take care of myself and I was able to thrive. And I have to say, I did a lot of self-help work before I left. I did all this Tony Robbins work. I did the Landmark Forum. I did Dale Carnegie. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, I'm a 12-step member. I had done a lot of meditation. I'd done a lot of spiritual work and I was meditating daily and I had that muscle built up uh-huh. to take that leap. Because that's the thing, too. I mean, when you're going to take a giant leap, you're going to go into free fall and you might freak out. So you want to have resources. You want to have a support team. I had a great coach, life coach. Um, I had prayer and meditation. So it's important that you have those things to support you so that you don't panic and mm-hmm. um, rush back you know, to safety or that you take more calculated risks, smaller risks that allow you to um, to do it gradually. And that's fine, too. There's nothing wrong with that. And I, I think mm. it uh, it actually helps if you really hate your job. Uh, <laughs> if you like your job, and it, it makes it much more difficult. I was in journalism uh, working for newspapers and magazines as a reporter, a journalist, and editor. And uh, I know a lot of people you know, clung to their jobs because they... You, know, you hated were, your boss. Yeah, too. that I, helped. <laughs> I had a, I just had this series of editors, one after another, that got, uh, you know, worse and worse and just uh, ridiculous situations of what they were, you know, uh, forcing me and other reporters to do. And so for me, it was it was easy to take that leap and Trish was ready to go too. For yeah, me. I was teaching. I, I thought, I, I just can't do this my whole life. <laughs> I have other things to do. So we just uh, yeah. took, took the leap in the mid-80s and had about $5,000 saved. And, and and we got married and, and went on a honeymoon <laughs> and came back and four months later had no money. Yeah, we went to Chile and Ecuador. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, it, and you guys supported each other. You were each other's support team. And, and, and that's amazing, too, when, when you can support each other through that process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think what you're saying, Rob, is that the, the universe also kind of turns up the the, the stove on the proverbial, uh, you know, to your feet, the, the fire to the feet. Like right. the universe shows you, hey, 
if you stay here, things are going to get worse and worse. I'm trying to give you an out. I'm trying to give you a little nudge yeah, here. Exactly. Um, yeah. And, and Trish, what was your story with when you said you worked for the, the system for a couple of years? What did yeah, you do? Yeah, I was uh, I was actually hired to be a librarian because the, the prison was new. It was a youthful offender facility. So uh-huh. at least I love that part of it. I got to buy the books, <laughs> you know, yeah. and set up the library and that kind of thing. Plus, I taught Spanish. And I found, frankly, that I like the the inmates better than mm-hmm. I like the guards because there was a lot of, I'm sure you know this, there was a lot of shenanigans that went on behind the scenes with, you know, guards yeah. selling drugs to the inmates. And I mean, yeah. the assistant superintendent of the prison, it, it turned out after a black kid hung himself in mm. the uh, solitary, his, it found out that the assistant superintendent was taking guys back to his trailer at lunch you know, um, and having sex with them. I mean, it was just, it yeah. was, it was just awful. Yeah. And, so. and behind Barbed Eyes tries to address, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a novel that I wrote, but it's based on my experience working in the prison system and, uh, some of the shenanigans that you described. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Again, when we, if you've ever studied the Stanford prison study or watched that, that, that movie, um, when people have ultimate power, it just corrupts them. Yeah. And um, and the prison system is rife with corruption. There are good people that work there. I, I definitely work with some great people. But there was also a lot of uh, criminal behavior by mm-hmm. the staff. Um, and again, I was there to to provide you know psychological services right. to the inmates. So that was that was what I did. And so I was working with people that were either you know ready to change or had tons of trauma. And my job was to to help them through that trauma, help them through that abuse, substance issues, and, um, you know, and, and get back on their feet and make better choices. Are so, prisons um, in California private now? Uh, I work for the federal government. Um, uh-huh. so there are some private uh, or worse, some private facilities. Yeah, they're worse. Yeah, they're, the, they are the worst. And, um, I, think I mean, Mother it's incarceration for it. profit, you know, that's basically uh, it, what it is. It's despicable, absolutely, and and I think that, that it, they've been stopped because they found that they are the worst and um, they are not regulated, and that they are full of human rights abuses. There was yeah. a, a a four month expose. I think a guy went undercover from uh, you know, Mother Jones or one of those um, uh, uh, magazines and was became a correctional officer and reported on uh, all of the human rights violations that went on. So yeah, private prisons pri- private prisons are antithetical to. I think American values. Yeah, I think so too. Mm. So justice. Yeah, absolutely. Well, at least we're both out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What are some of the conditioned beliefs that people have that uh, hold us down to hanging on to those jobs? Um, That uh, money, money is our source. uh, That that money is what will make us safe. Mm -hmm. um, That we have to work hard, and um, that. you know, if, if you don't suffer, you're not doing it right. <laughs> kind of yeah. those um, old, old-fashioned Protestant values. Um, yeah, you, right. know, you can you can do good work. You don't have to um, suffer. Uh, right. But but that notion that we that we're unworthy, um, that we have to suffer to you know be be to receive compensation. Um, I think the the belief that we have to hoard, that you know we have to um, compete instead of cooperate and share, mm-hmm. you know, I think that, that, um, so many of the ways that we've been doing it are what's destroying our, our world, you know, 
Um, I remember years ago seeing a, a, a picture of a guy standing on a ton of buffalo skulls. Um, it's kind of an, an iconic picture of the American West and all the buffaloes they killed. Yeah. And um, how antithetical that was to the indigenous values of um, mm-hmm. America, the Turtle Island, and how the indigenous people would use every part of a buffalo and honor the killing in a sacred way. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the notion, the sort of um, Western notion that we need to compete, that we need to take everything, that we need to hoard, um, I think that's killing us. I think it's killing our planet. And, you know, the idea of mana is that you get what you need day by day. Don't don't take more than you need. Um, don't take what belongs to others. Like yours mm-hmm. will come to you, and just need just take what you need today. Tomorrow you'll you'll get what you need tomorrow. But that um, that stop living by enslavement. Stop living by scarcity. Uh, stop hoarding. Stop taking what doesn't belong to you. Um, Stop living from fear. Yeah, fear seems Stop to be. Stop living from fear. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that seems to be a big factor in not making the, the leap. Right, right. And, and, and that's right. That's it, right? The fear. We have a fear of changing. We have a fear of not mm-hmm. having enough. Um, and so we, we are still holding on to archaic ways of being that don't serve us anymore, old systems that don't serve us anymore because mm-hmm. we're afraid to change. Do you think this... Shift, I mean, obviously the shift is going to have some pain associated with it. It already has. Um, But what do you see as the end result, say, of this pandemic as the trigger for this? Yeah, well, I think that we are shifting. And I think think we're seeing, you know, again, like the the way that we, okay, so let's say, let's say this, uh, this, this virus started from a wet market. If, you know, that's Mm -hmm. one theory. Um, you know, maybe how we treat animals needs to change, uh-huh. yeah. you know, maybe, maybe we need to have a more respectful relationship with animals. Maybe we need to be more mindful of our, our meat consumption. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I'm not vegan. I'm not even vegetarian, but I think I, I have been at various times. And I think that mindfulness about our relationship with, with meat and animals mm-hmm. needs to shift. Um, I think that, uh, you know, we've been encroaching on, uh, animal wetlands and habitats. And, and so, you know, they're saying we're going to see more and more disease because mm-hmm. we have crowded out animals and animals don't have a, a place to land. So we're experiencing more of their, their diseases, like, you know, Lyme's disease, for example, it's sort of a uh, standard one that, that we're seeing more and more in the United mm-hmm. States. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't cause a global pandemic, but it, it wreaks havoc on people's yeah. system and, you know, um, so I think that, that that's it. Uh, figuring out how, again, how do we, um, how do we recycle more? How do we consume less? How do we find ways to, to buy less and, and to shift from a consumerism culture to uh, a more sustainable, sharing, cooperative, uh, tread lightly on the planet culture? Um, we have to, or we're gonna we're gonna die. I mean, again, what we're seeing in Texas. Uh, with yeah. the need to, to shift to renewable resources. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, pe- people want to stay in, they want to stay comfortable. They want to continue to um, take in money and do things the way they've done. But we have, we're, we're going to ruin our planet and our quality of life if we continue to try to hold on to an old way of being. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. So true. our economic system now is uh, pushing people to work longer hours, take fewer vacations, get less benefits, pensions, health care, and, uh, you know, work well beyond what used to be uh, the retirement age. So making, making it uh, more difficult uh, for a lot of people in some ways and people feel trapped. Uh, but uh, let's yeah. look at And, the, and that's just the United States, though. That, that, that's the right. thing. The, the, if you look at um, other Western European countries, they don't operate like this. This is very, uh, very much a part of the United States um, yeah. Yeah. value system or lack of value system. Um, the Netherlands, they work 29 hours a week. France wow. is 35. Um, with, I think with Italy full health like, coverage. <laughs> with full health coverage, um, pensions, they have a quality of life. I mean, even the French and Italians have this wonderful thing called far niente, where it's just about being present, doing nothing, just existing, <laughs> being human beings. The United States, we are human doings. Um, we, like you said, we're working longer hours for less money, less vacations. Other countries get four to eight weeks of uh, holiday. We get um, 10 days, and most Americans don't take it because they're terrified that if they do, they're going to lose their jobs. Yeah. Um, Maybe it's time to move. <laughs> yeah. But uh, then then, uh, look at uh, Amazon. That company's business model has been uh, called extremely stressful for workers. But at the same time, it satisfies our desires as consumers for instant gratification for products. I mean, uh, it's... uh, They're efficient that way. They're efficient. But yet, uh, do, do you see Amazon as beneficial or a quick fix for our materialism and, cons- uh, you know, and c- uh, accumulation of possessions? You know, how do you look at it? I, I think that um, there are pros and cons yeah. uh, to Amazon. Um, and, and I think that, uh, yeah, I, I think that in, in one respect, it, it helps, um, it does help create jobs it helps create, helps create opportunities it helps um people you know uh, have access to things that they wouldn't have access to otherwise mm-hmm. and, and in a private way um and it saves energy create, too from yeah you don't have to go out and get the products they can just come right to without leaving right. at, so. at the same time um you know it's i think it, it is a it is a big pharaoh amazon is a big pharaoh and it's a it's a big company and um, and it is, you know, the petroleum they use to, to drive around, uh, the, 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 the carbon imprint, I think is extremely high. Um, and yeah, the instant gratification, I don't think that's a great thing either. So I think it's, it's, um, you know, it's, it's tools. It's like 3d printing. Is it good or mm-hmm. is it bad? Yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. you can, you can print a, you know, something that helps save a life or you can print a gun that kills somebody. Um, It's, it's how we use these technologies. Uh, I just saw this movie that I highly recommend also called Nomadland. Have you seen this one yet? No, not yet. No. Is it Netflix? Oh my God. It's on Hulu now for free. Um, And it's Frances McDermott. um, It's a movie about a woman who uh, basically lives in a town where gypsum was their primary uh, export and they go out of business and the whole town just becomes a ghost town and mm. she has to survive and she becomes a part of van culture and is traveling and becoming a seasonal worker uh, in her 60s wherever she can find work. 
Yeah. It is a profound movie, and it's in in it. There's you know, um, they talk about more and more Americans having to adopt this lifestyle um, because they they you know she, this is basically after the Great Recession in, in mm-hmm. 2011 she ends up on the road, but how this has become the reality for so many Americans they're not able to retire. Um, and for some of them, you know, it might be a lifestyle choice or it's a lifestyle necessity just to, to survive. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think this, what, what the pandemic is bringing us face to face with is that the United States, while it might be the richest country in the world, we, we have so many, so many problems with our infrastructure. Um, and we, the quality of life for the average citizen is absolutely under duress and we have got to address these problems um we are our our country is broken you need to be on biden's cabinet (laughs) (laughs) and give that speech (laughs) it's greed at the top you know i mean the the wealthy just continue to get more and more wealthy and the middle class is uh kind of descending it seems which is uh, what which is why I wanted to write this book. I mean, I started writing this book before pandemic because I just saw like we are creating a, a, a greater and greater class in servitude mm-hmm. to a wealthier class, and that's not okay. Whereas, uh, again, other uh, Western European countries, they value human life. They value right. being present. They don't, you know, um, live to work, right? Um, live to live. They, yeah. yeah, they live to live. Right? And, and in this and, country. Yeah. In this country, okay, sorry. Uh, I was going to say that in this country, the people who would be considered the working class people are all behind the uh, feeding of the the wealthy. It seems they, you know, they've been uh, basically brainwashed. It seems, you know, that uh, maybe because of fear, they want the, the, the trickle down to work. Trickle down doesn't work. <laughs> right. Trickle trickle down doesn't work. And and you know, what is sad and very, very hard to look at, it's very hard to look at, is that our country, which I love, um, but I'm going to critique, our <laughs> our country was built on, you know, um taking lands from the indigenous people right. and and slavery. And we've gotta address that. But that um that we need um we need greater equity in this country and we need to heal those wounds. And, um, you know, we are a traumatized family. And until we address the trauma, we're just going to keep perpetuating it. Basically, um, that was the Bernie Sanders message. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, he yeah, was right. Absolutely. Yeah. He's, he's right on target. Yeah. And so I mean, other a, countries have done some version of that. I mean, Germany has, you know, addressed that. South Africa has addressed that. We, you know, we need to address that too, mm-hmm. or keep addressing it in some ways. Yeah. yeah. So you're certified as a little different topic. You're certified as a past life regressionist through uh, Brian Wise in the Wise Institute. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> how, how did that uh, training evolve for you? What did that involve for? Yeah, so so Brian Weiss is the author of Many Masters, Many Lives, right. and um, same same body, to, many bodies, same souls. Anyway, several different books on past life regression, right. and he yeah. is a psychiatrist, retired now, mm-hmm. um, and discovered that you know by doing hypnosis on a traumatized patient that she'd had different lives, and and started to develop this method of, of past life regression, and studied Ian Stevenson and some other people, and. Um, 
that was something that I occasionally would come up in my practice would be people kind of dealing with issues that seemed very much uh, mm-hmm. like they had relationships from past lives. So um, I started doing some trainings with him through Hay House and then uh, went to the Omega Institute in New York and uh, did a, a deep training with him um, with people from all over the world. It was like an uh, intensive uh, week-long training and got certified in his method. And um, I have been doing uh, past life regression with people and absolutely love it because there are many things that people are struggling with in this lifetime that they don't understand why they keep coming up. And it's because of things that have happened in past lives. Carryovers. Um, hmm. Yeah, well, carryovers. Um, uh-huh. yeah, so your focus during a regression is on healing. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Helping people understand like where, you know, um, where is this past life pain coming? Like they all have pain. So past life pain, mm-hmm. physical pain, um, uh, reoccurring dreams, um, relationships that don't make sense to them in this lifetime, uh, fears, they might be stuck in some area of their life. And then we do the past life regression and see where that comes from. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's great work. And it, oh, I love it. And it helps people, you know, address traumas or dislodge areas that they're stuck in, and integrate things and move forward. Um, you know, I've done hundreds of them by now. So yeah. can you do them during the pandemic? Zoom. Zoom. Yeah, through Zoom, it's fantastic. Yeah. I yeah. actually probably won't go back to, to in-person <laughs> really? because um, in, with Zoom, they can be in their own homes and absolutely comfortable reclining. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can record it so they have a recording. It's it's fantastic, yeah. And, and Carol can, Bowman does her regressions like that now, too. Yeah. Zoom. And so they can get uh, deep through the hypnotic, uh, into the hypnotic state uh, while you know, yeah. staring at their computer. It, it, Right, with and with less kind of kind of performance anxiety, mm-hmm. um, because they're they're safe in their own house. They don't have to feel as vulnerable lying right. on someone else's couch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah with true. their eyes closed, you know, um, which is vulnerable. So yeah, they're in their own homes, and um, it works. It works great. It's uh, and now I'm able to do it with people all over the world because uh, before they had to right. come into my office. Yeah, wow. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Uh, that's that's a case where the technology is works in your favor. <laughs> Absolutely. I've been very grateful for that. Yeah. Very grateful. Um, I had a question. Oh, did you, have you heard about uh, Richard Bigelow's contest about, no. okay. I asked because Ro- Brian Ro- Weiss, Robert Bigelow, oh, Robert Bigelow, because yeah. Brian Weiss is on the board of this thing. He, he's asking for an essay up to 25,000 words that irrefutably proves the survival of human consciousness after death. And Brian mm. is on the founda- on the judgment board. So is Leslie Keen, who just wrote Surviving Death. Love that. that yeah. Was did you see the Netflix? I did. I oh, did. And that was fantastic. Yeah. I don't know if it's uh, irrefutable. Yeah, no, he says absolutely. Yeah, the best. You have to look at the, yeah. the mm. essay thing. Yeah. Anyway. So you should enter that. <laughs> I keep encouraging people to go enter it and win a million bucks. Yeah, he's giving away a million dollars. The top three uh, winners, uh, I think the first one gets 500000 yeah. and 350, then 150. And I think wow. the other 50000 goes to the, probably goes to the judges. <laughs> Talk about manna from heaven. Yeah, yeah right. Really. Yeah. And, and what, a, what a fascinating thing to do with your money. You know, yeah. sponsor yeah. a test about life after death. You know. 
Well, I, I loved um, that her uh, the fifth episode on reincarnation. I thought well, was wasn't that fascinating. Oh, it was so fantastic to you know just just be able to um, walk through those stories and, mm-hmm. and for people to see. I don't work with kids um, uh-huh. on a regular basis, uh, so it's wonderful to see. Um, and for, for them to confirm, like, here's what the children go through. Mm-hmm. I work with adults typically that are having these experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, the yeah kid, I thought that was the best episode. Though, yeah. Reincarnation. The, the kids start to, it seems like after a few years, uh, four or five year, uh, years old, they start to lose it, you know, start to forget. But, uh, but some of them, that kid with the, who was the pilot, I mean, that was a pretty impressive story. James Leininger. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was an incredible story. Yeah. yeah, I've heard his story before and was just really moved. Yeah, and that one's yeah. been around for a while. When um, that one came out and Carol Bowman was on 2020 talking with the Leiningers about this, my dad, who was 92 at the time, we watched it. He was in an assisted living facility. So we watched it together. At the end of it, he started crying. He said, that's the best evidence I've ever seen for Aww. for the soul yeah. surviving. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's amazing. People will ask me, well, how do I know I'm not making this up? And right. I'll, I'll say, well, did you notice how you were feeling? I'm like, mm-hmm. you, were, you, were, you were crying when you were holding your grandchildren. You were um, sick to your stomach when you were uh, being transported on a boat. Um, you know, like you were having all these physical sensations. If we were, when you daydream or imagine, do you have that level of emotion? Uh-huh. No. <laughs> when you do visualization, do you have that level of emotion yeah. and feeling anybody? Never. Okay. Mm-hmm. There you go. I mean, you've got to decide for yourself. But I, I mean, when I see uh, when I see a woman crying because she, or let's say, let's say a man crying because he's holding um, his daughter that he gave birth to as a woman in a past life or whatever, wow. <laughs> you know, and is remembering having the the pain. I mean. I don't. How do you make that stuff up? Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, the imagination only goes so far. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, um, that, that's one of the things they tell us when you're when you're trying to manifest something is to really create as much emotion as possible. Right. Even when you're trying to create a scenario that you want to create in your life and bring the emotion to it, that can be a challenge. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so, true. Yeah. Do Do you find that synchronicity plays a big part in your work? Absolutely. Yeah, kind of yeah. figured. <laughs> yeah, I think people find it's again that that notion of um, you know that, that when a student's ready, the teacher will appear. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have experiences when we're ready for them. We'll hear things three times. You know, if you hear something three mm-hmm. times from different people, go for it. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, and there are things that we just can't ex- we can't explain logically. Mm-hmm. Um, there is there's reality and then there's non-ordinary reality which right. you know shamans deal with and um, absolutely and I think it's so when I do past life regression again I help lead people to their experience I don't tell them who they were in a past mm-hmm. life mm-hmm. if I have a sense of something I might throw it in there um, or say you know say, say something like you know I saw that image too but it will be after the fact um, it's it's their experience I don't mm-hmm pollute it or, or cloud it with my own. Uh, I think that's very important. If somebody tells you what your past life is, um, I would be uh, open but skeptical. Uh-huh. And, 
if you hear somebody say that to you and it's different people and they say it to you several times, maybe listen then. Um, but be careful not to give your power away to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Did you have a regression with Weiss? I did. I had oh, a regression cool. with him in, in the room with the, the 60 other people that were there. Jeez. That's yeah. amazing that. He can do that in uh, a room that, full of people. Yeah, that works. <laughs> yeah, and it and it went really, really deep, and it was very powerful and very relevant. Um, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, I I'm not going to go into a whole lot of detail because it's personal to right. my family. But but in it, um, I realized my my brother had been my father in that uh, oh, lifetime. Wow. Yeah. 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 Hmm. So and, Carol, and my, my, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say Carol Bowman was uh, here once. Uh, she's a friend of ours for many years. And uh, she, uh, we had invited some people over to do a, a group recession. And she, regression. Regression. <laughs> regression. <laughs> and she worked, yeah. uh, she, you know, she's done a lot with kids. Her book is uh, uh, Children's Past Life. Children's Past Life. So, yeah. so it, was, yeah. it, was, it was interesting, though, that when she was here, uh, uh, the adults really didn't pick up too much, but the kids were all coming up. You know, <laughs> you, you couldn't stop you could you couldn't stop the kids from talking about their past lives. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, yeah, she's great. That's wonderful that you've had a chance to work with her. Um, yeah, I have a I have a nine year old um, bonus son, uh, which is an, another word for stepson. I like bonus son better. Bonus son, um, and and he keeps asking me to. to to do one with them. And I'm like, yeah, let's, let's do that one. When, when you're really ready, we'll do that. But, um, yeah, I have, I've just been a little bit cautious to do that. Um, but I think it would be fantastic, but yeah, I just, I, I have worked more with, with adults and felt yeah. more comfortable with adults, but I know Carol's work and I think that's fantastic that she does that. So how about, uh, regressing people who uh, believe that they have had uh, been a, uh, had alien abduction experiences. Have you done that, uh, taking people back to those experiences at all? You know, I, I haven't um, with any alien abduction, but I have had people go back and they have been, um, they have been uh, aliens. They've been on different planets. Oh, uh, that's interesting. Been, um, different beings. So mm-hmm. I have had that happen. Um but I haven't had anybody specifically come to me and say, you know, I have had an alien abduction. Would you uh, do regression on mm-hmm. me? I have read Dolores Cannon's work, um, which I find amazing mm-hmm. and fascinating, but I have not had anybody um, come to me with that. Yeah. I'd be happy to. Um, yeah. I'd be open to that for sure. But Carol doesn't want to do that, right, Trish? No. No. Mm-hmm. No. no. She, I mean, no, is there a reason why she's not interested? Well, or? I think uh, she just says, she wouldn't know what to, she knows how to deal with trauma that comes up during her regression, but mm-hmm. she wouldn't know what specifically to do for somebody said, Oh my God, I'm being abducted. What am I going to, you know, that, that kind of panic. Yes. She goes mm-hmm. to a UFO conference. Yeah. She goes to UFO conference. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, that's interesting. So, yeah. yeah. But you know, I mean, this is where John Mack really excelled, you know, as, as a psychiatrist who studied, abductees. Yeah. I don't know that yeah. he did regressions, but a little different topic. You talk uh, a lot about uh, living a heart-centered life. Uh, could you explain what you mean by that? Yes. So um, I think it's very important that we, I, think, I feel like our soul and our heart are, are definitely, you know, connected and that um, 
our soul communicates to us, our soul's desires and needs communicate to us through our heart, uh, not our, our head, which is more ego-based. doesn't mean we throw our, our head or our mind or our thoughts out, but yeah. it means that we lead with our heart. We yeah. let our most important decisions be guided by our heart. What, what does our heart mean? Because our mind can fool us, can talk us into, you know, again, our fear lives in the, in the mind. Uh, fear lives in the mind and talks the mind into, again, work harder or suffer mm-hmm. or stay in a bad situation or don't trust somebody, um, give up, whatever it is. And the heart is a place of openness and expansion and love mm-hmm. and trust and faith. And so we want to live from our heart. We want to let our heart lead. Um, our heart is connected to our, our senses and that when we are guided from heart wisdom or soul wisdom, we, again, we, we move differently on the planet. We're kinder, we're, we cooperate, we share. Um, we're in that place of faith and trust. And that's, that's what creates the utopia. That's what creates a sense of mm-hmm. heaven. Um, whereas the, the head can be tricked and mind control. There's no equivalent. There's no heart control. Um, and I love the image of, of you know, um, there's some image of heaven and hell. The guy goes to, to, to heaven, or actually let's start with hell, goes to hell and it's a <laughs> big, beautiful banquet with all the food, but the, the, the forks or spoons are um, chained down. They're huge. <laughs> and so everyone, no one can, can lift it. And so they're starving to death. And heaven hmm. is this beautiful banquet table and all these giant forks and spoons are chained down. But the person across from them is lifting it and, and holding it up and feeding the person in front of them. Hmm. So while they can't bring the food to their own face, they can bring it to the other person. And so right. the, the banquet is still going on. Oh, and, and I think, again, that's the world I want to live in where we're helping each other out. We're cooperating. We're mm-hmm. sharing. You know, we're we're tribal in that sense um, versus, you know, xenophobic. Yeah. Well, maybe that's where this whole paradigm shift is, is going to end up you know, in a world where we share. That's the first thing we do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think, like one of the things. That, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say that I think this is one area where mainstream science has actually opened up to the concept of the heart being more, more than a pump, which, you know, until few decades yeah. ago that was that was the that was the thing you know and uh, I think it's more and more because there's been so many studies that have shown that the the heart is uh, like a brain itself uh, exactly exactly the heart math Institute talks about that and yes they've yeah. they've found that um, so you know when we're in a, that state of coherence when we're in a state of yeah. love mm-hmm. and compassion our heart beats differently. Mm-hmm. And all of the, the systems in our body operate more smoothly. And, and, and a state of love and kindness, is an, it's even a different wave than the state of relaxation. So while relaxation is rhythmic, um, the state of coherence is a smooth rhythm, like you know, gumdrops or something where uh-huh. relaxation is equal, but it's, it's a little more spiky. And then when we're in a state of incoherence, it's kind of like if you're looking at Emoto's water study and kind of some uh-huh. of the, the negative words, um, there's a, a lack of coherence. There's, there's, you know, things look spiky and, right. and, um, and incoherent. 
you know, with that in mind, it's kind of then when somebody has a heart attack, it's really a metaphor for something, don't you think? Mm -hmm. Yeah, th things being um, out of harmony. Yeah, uh -huh. out of harmony. Wake up. Uh -huh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, so many times people who have just experienced divorces have heart attacks. Or retirement. Remember, or reti we yeah. met a guy the other mm -hmm. day who. Uh, the day after he retired, he had a heart attack. <laughs> I said, wow. Very common. Yeah, yeah that's very common. Yeah. <laughs> Lost sense of purpose, rhythm. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. He said he didn't lose any work, though, because he had retired. <laughs> yeah. So uh, one other question I have is, uh, so, so how does gratitude fit in with this uh, heart-centered mm -hmm. life, and, uh, the whole picture? Yeah. Gratitude uh, takes us to a different state. You know, and, and um, most people have heard of Abraham Hicks' work and right. that kind of thing. Um, but but gratitude takes us into a, a different consciousness. When we're when we're in gratitude, we are uh, we're at a higher vibration, we're at a higher frequency. We're focusing on the good things around us. We're seeing the possibilities. We're um, we're thankful, and it. Just it shifts our internal system. It shifts our mind. It shifts our body. It shifts how we feel in our body. And having a gratitude practice is one of the most powerful things that you can do. Uh, it people that that have a gratitude practice, um, you know, they they're more relaxed. They're happier. They see the good in others. Um, they have happier relationships. Uh, they there's just a greater sense of physical and emotional well-being. And and you know there are research studies that show that it, when you're in a state of gratitude and you practice gratitude on a regular basis, your your body chemistry is different, your physiology mm -hmm. is different, and your mindset is different. And so the you know the the mana mindset, which I talk about in the book, um, looks at different practices to get into gratitude and also to elevate your your vibration, elevate your your frequency, um, mm. so that you continue to be more receptive to the good things in your life. And, you know, it's, it's just a, a positive feedback loop that you're engaging in um, to keep your, your vibration higher. But, yeah, gratitude is, is fantastic. And, you know, Oprah talks about how her life qualitatively shifted when she, you know, kept a gratitude journal every mm -hmm. day of her life and wrote down, mm -hmm. I think, three things that she was happy about every day of her life. It, it, mm -hmm. it shifted her life. And um, so, yeah, what? very important. What's your uh, what's your next project? <laughs> well, I'm finishing up the audio book of the Man of Paradigm okay. Shift. I, I think a lot of us now are, you know, listening to books while we right. walk or drive or do work, and sometimes it's harder for people to sit down. So that's one thing. Um, I'm also uh, doing a uh, starting a, a 30 day Mana challenge April 1st, mm. um, where people can can practice the the Mana Paradigm Shift. Um, and use the tools and get a, a daily email for that. Huh. Um, and I'm also uh, looking at the possibility of taking the Behind Barbed Eyes um, novel and seeing if we can't uh, uh, turn that into a, a movie. Mm. Do you have um, a script? Yeah, I do have a script. That's great. And um, yeah, I'm working with, with a friend of mine. Um, we're seeing what's possible there. So just kind of open if, to you know, the timing of that and the possibility of that. There's a and, uh, service you may want to look at called Inktip. It's a, uh, where anybody Inktip? can, Inktip, 
you can uh-huh. put your, you can submit your, in other words, it's a place where scriptwriters go to list their scripts. And oh. you have, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great site. And I think it's like 15 bucks a month for four months. And, and you can keep oh, redoing it. And yeah, check it out because it's really, I've got five scripts up there and it's... A lot of producers. Yeah, a lot on. of producers go on and take a look and it's it's a fascinating site. You can see it all sounds the, all a little bit like um, like the blacklist or something. Yeah, similar. Uh, mm-hmm. You have to do not only the script, but you do a, a synopsis, a log line, of course, put uh-huh. up your resume and the script. Oh, fantastic, so. fantastic. Yeah, I wrote, I wrote a script for Behind Barbed Eyes, and it um, it uh, placed in a few uh, competitions here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so I love to write. I you know to me writing. Um, it keeps me out of trouble. <laughs> no, uh, it, and, and specifically, I think that when when you were creating, we feel uh, more at peace. Uh-huh, um, definitely. You know, less anxious, less depressed because we're we're just you know we're being a part of something or creating mm-hmm. something. So um, I highly recommend that people stay creative, especially during the pandemic. Um, mm-hmm. But but even when we're not in the pandemic, just to to keep um, sharing and creating and writing and. I think it brings a lot of joy and peace to, to a lot of I think so, lives. too. Well, tell people, um, uh, to, to, you know, where they can find you and your books and your website. Yeah, Trish, thanks. Um, so you can find me at davinakatulski.com, D-A-V-I-N-A-K-O-T-U-L-S-K-I.com. Um, and you can also go to themanaparadigmshift.com and get a uh, download of a free chapter of the book. Um, and you can find the books everywhere books are sold um, at all your favorite you know, independent uh, local bookstores, um, online through your favorite local independent bookstores, <laughs> and then through uh, through the bigger channels, as well as on Audible and uh, Kindle, Kindle, iTunes, and um, anything else I'm forgetting. <laughs> In other words, everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. Everywhere books are sold. So support your, your favorite booksellers, um, to be sure. <laughs> well, this has been great. Yeah, thank, I, thank you, thank you very so much for thank coming you so on. Much. Yeah, no, it's and, a pleasure. It's really nice to meet you both. Yeah, yeah, you too. Good work, too. Okay, well, yeah, and we'll send you a link. We'll send you the link to it, yeah. Wonderful. I can't wait to share it. Thank you both okay, so well, much. Thank you. It's really okay. a pleasure yeah. to meet you both. And keep us Great posted stuff. on what you're doing. We want you on again. <laughs> same, same here. Please, uh, please continue to um, add me to your mailing list. And okay. Um, yeah. Let me know how I can support you guys too. Okay. Thank okay. you. Thank you very much. You take care. Thanks. I know. Bye. Thank you. Thanks for joining the Mystical Underground. Visit www.themysticalunderground.com for the latest blog post and book info. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. Listen to the podcast at podcast.themysticalunderground.com. Follow Trish and Rob on Instagram at Trish and Rob McGregor. Follow us on Twitter at The Mystic Cast. Send email to podcast at themysticalunderground.com. And until next week, thank you for listening and stay mystical. Mystical.